0: This is Susanna Hills podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your hearts and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. Good morning, everyone. I'm quite privileged to have a second chance this week. (laughs) Oh, sorry. I'm going to fall over my legs here. Can we just pray? Father, it's been an amazing morning. And Lord, when you speak, you expect us to act. And I just pray that as I share this morning, you'll tie all the bits and pieces together, Lord, that when we finish today, we will know that we've done business with you and you've done business with us. And that that you would come and speak to the church and speak to us as individuals. And help us to make the adjustments that are necessary to flow with you at this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. So this is scene one. Remember I told you last week there are eight scenes in this dramatic play of Revelation. And this is scene one. Here we see Christ in all his fearsome glory. And I say fearsome glory... Because I said last week, it's not gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Look upon this little child. It's the Lord of glory. That when John sees him, he falls at his feet. Blazing eyes. Voiced like thunder. Friends, this is the Christ who was crucified and raised from the dead. This is the Christ who walked into his father's house with a whip, and turned over tables, and shouted, this is my Father's house, and it's a house of prayer, and you have made it a den of thieves. That's not gentle Jesus, meek and mild. And this is the fearsome, glorious Lord that John encounters on Patmos. So we read in Revelation chapter 1 from verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches. To Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands, which is a symbol of the churches. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze. refined in a furnace... And his voice like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp, two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining, in full strength. I like I like what one uh, well-known Bible commentator says. Tom Wright he says Jesus is not just a cosy figure, one who merely makes us feel happy. To see Jesus as He is would drive us not to snuggle up to Him, but to fall at His feet as though dead. You see, friends, there's too much Christianity where Jesus is this wonderful passenger in our car. He takes us there safely. He finds us a parking in the mall. You you know what I'm saying. My serious friends, we're living in a time when we need to understand we are serving a robust King of kings and Lord of lords. And it's this king who is the Lord of the church. And this awesome Jesus is about to walk through his church. And he's going to walk through seven churches. And those churches were real, seven churches. But being seven, the perfect number, it also represents the whole church. And therefore, it's for us today. And I am so interested because Billy shared that word about open your ears. Because this is what this whole thing is about. Jesus is the Lord of the church. And friends, I'm telling you, we forget that. This is not our church. This church belongs to Jesus Christ. And the elders and the pastors will stand before the Lord one day and give an account for leading these sheep. And you and I, We'll stand before the Lord one day, and we'll give an account of how we've lived and what we've done with what He's given us. And so Jesus walks through the churches, and I want to to describe who He is as He walks through the churches. The Bible says that He is our apostle and high priest. And that's what John saw. He saw him with the sash, dressed like a priest. He is our priest who ever makes, ever lives to make intercession for us. But he's also our apostle. And you know, the apostle is, is a sent one. That's what apostolos means, a sent one. As the Father sends me, I send you. So Jesus is sent by the Father. But apostle also means one who understands the church. So when we talk about... Because we talk a lot about apostles here, don't we? I hope you understand... What we mean. An apostle in today's language is someone who has an understanding of what the church is, what it should look like, and how it should be shaped, and what it should be doing. It's a very important thing. It's the first gift in the fivefold ministries. So Jesus is going to walk through his church as a priest and as an apostle, as, as one who knows exactly how this building should be looking. And that's what, that's what Paul said about himself and his apostle. This is what he said. He said, According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is already laid, which is Christ Jesus. That's the foundation. And, because of what happened in the prayer meeting this morning, I want to slip the scripture in. <laughs> because the scripture came back to me, I thought, this, this, this is the essence of what's going to happen as Jesus, the apostle, walks through the church. Because He's going to do an audit. He's going to do a little bit of checking. And so Paul goes on in that scripture and he says, now if anyone builds on the foundation of gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day, capital D, the day of the Lord will disclose it, will reveal it. Because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Friends, when Jesus walks through the church, it's like he's walking through with fire. One great preacher once said that the father walks through his house striking matches. And you know what's going to happen if you strike matches where there's wood and hay and straw. And so Jesus is looking for the precious, precious metals. He's looking for the gold and the silver and the precious stones. And you see, every letter in the New Testament is written because the churches are going off the blueprint. Every one of them is bringing the church back to the foundation, back to Jesus. Back to the life of Jesus. Every one of them. And that's what Jesus is about to do. I wonder how he'd feel if he walked through the church today. Especially the Western church. He's done very interesting things. So Jesus takes a walk through the church with a plumb line in his hand. Now, I think we've got a graphic Coming. Ah, oh, there it is. So those of you who don't know about building, the plumb line has been used forever and ever. It's such a simple, simple little piece of equipment. Now, I don't need to tell you, if you've done grade one science, <laughs> that the force of gravity is causing this line to be perfectly straight. Am I correct? When I bring this plumb line against my life and my body, (laughs) I can see what needs adjustment here. So Jesus is walking through the churches with a plumb line. And friends, Jesus wants to walk through our lives with a plumb line. And so as he walks through the church, I want you to understand something very clearly. There's no condemnation whatsoever. He's not walking through with a judgmental attitude to bring down. He's walking through with a reality check that he's going to lift up. In every one Of the churches his heart is to challenge expose but lift up and heal and that's the wonderful thing Eugene Peterson says the light does two things because he's walking through he's the light of the world it shows what is good and therefore what must be celebrated it exposes what is sinful to the healing warmth of the light the light reveals but it also heals So Jesus is going to do three things. He's going to commend the church for their good works. And then he's going to correct what is crooked and out of line. And thirdly, he's going to counsel for healing, for restoration, for coming into line with his purposes. And so the first point what was the church commended for? And I've just taken, I've tried to take the essence out of the seven churches. And I want to encourage you, as Gareth has just encouraged you, please go and read this as soon as possible, because we don't have time to read through all the seven churches now. But go and read through it, and you'll start; it'll all start triggering what we're sharing this morning. So I, I've tried to take out the essence of what he's commending in the seven churches. perseverance. Perseverance in the face of persecution. He says, guys, I am so blessed. You are having such a tough time. You're being so persecuted in your faith. Some of you are dying for your faith, but you are persevering. Friends, that is a key to our Christian life and character. Having done all to stand. And friends, we're moving in difficult times. And they will get more and more difficult. God give us the grace to persevere. He talks about you are being patient endurance. Like the Comrades Runner, it's an endurance race. It's not a 100-meter sprint. It's this endurance race. And he says, you are patiently enduring. Friends, we're living in an age of instance. Seconds, we get information. Seconds. It doesn't happen that way with the formation of our life, our spirit, as we are conforming to Jesus. It takes patience, an enduring patience. Hupamuena is the word. It's an enduring, patient pressing in with God. People don't get answers too quickly and they'll want to duck. No, friends, we've been called into this this marathon with many, many challenges. Then he commends them for discerning false prophets and false apostles, for for looking at, at false doctrine and exposing it and standing up against it. Friends, I don't need to tell you. We are living in a time flooded with rubbish theology. YouTube is jam-packed with rubbish. It is wood, hay, and straw. It sounds wonderful. And it titillates the soul of man, our sensuality to feel good. But friends, when it's brought in line with the fire of God. He commends them for faithfulness in persecution. Oh, friends, you know, look, I agree with Amy. I'm saying, God, help me. <laughs> you know, we just get offended if someone takes our parking in the mall. Not whether they're challenging us about, oh, you're one of them, you're a Christian. Right. <laughs> now you take my parking you know? Okay, sorry. Uh, <laughs> saying, God, help me, please. <laughs> please, Lord, we're going to need grace. He says, you guys have been faithful. Enemies pounding you. But you're worshipping. You're praising me. You're pressing on. He says to the Philadelphian church, he says, I know that you have little power. Meantime your mates are all huffing and puffing and they're all pumped up on the faith message and they're saying, you know, you got no power because you've got no faith. Blah, 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 blah. Jesus, the, the Lord says, guys, I know you've got little power. I recognize it, but he says, you've kept my word. Hey, I feel like speaking tongues right now. (laughs) You've kept my word, and you've not denied my name. Oh, friends, let me tell you, forget about the accolades, and I prayed for this guy, and I did this, and that. No, I did not deny your name. To Pergamum, he says, I know where Satan's throne is. Friends, I've lived. Let me tell you, Kruger's Dorp. Davos Dorp. That's where I ministered. Yes, I know where Satan's throne is too, but he says, I know where Satan's throne is. Can you imagine? There is satanic oppression going on. Not a mild little persecution, satanic oppression he says i know where his throne is yet you have held fast my name you've held fast my name and so so that's something friends of of what jesus finds as he walks through the seven churches what he commends them for but now let's have a, a quick look at what is crooked What is out of line? Bring in the plumb line. Which walls are skiff? Number one, he says, you're compromising. Sure, friends, I don't need to tell you. Compromising is death. Shift a little bit of truth here, just a little bit of truth there. Give a little here, give a little there and you end up absolutely pathetic and weak. He says you're compromising, you're tolerating sin. Sin is sin. You cannot make an excuse for it. It speaks to us as individuals and it speaks to us as a church. We cannot tolerate sin. We cannot compromise when it comes to purity of life. Something else that's very crooked, he says... You've lost your passion for me. You've lost your passion. And I know we can get all huff-puffed and have have hallelujah times, but friends, at the end of the day, it's when you are going through hardship that others can look at you and say, I still see the fire burning. Yes, I still see the fire burning. Though he slay me, says Job, yet shall he live. He says you've abandoned your first love. And friends, let me just say, that's a key for our lives, is how to stay passionate for Jesus. And that's a whole session in its own, but friends, some of you are passionate about your hobby. Take some of that and put it into your spiritual life. Jesus wants that fire to keep burning until you die. To Pergamum, he says, you guys have got a little sidetracked on prosperity. Because that was the teaching of Balaam. According to the prosperity doctrine. (laughs) You're so interested in being prosperous that it's taken your eyes off the real thing. Your prosperity has taken your eyes off Jesus. And what has it caused? Idolatry. And we say, oh, well, idolatry, oh, I know idols. People worshipping weird things. No, friends. Anything, anything that takes the place of Jesus is an idol. Anything. And that leads to sexual. Immorality. God's standard has not changed. Young people, God's standard has not changed. God has called you to be a virgin in 2023. Ask yourself is God able to keep my virginity? <laughs> he is. <laughs> He is. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Yes? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can't say, oh yeah, but Lord, you don't know. This is 2023. Lord, you don't know what's happening in the world. This is an open world. You know, it's, it's, you, it's different, Lord. He says, I was there before you even got there. Purity. Plum line. He says, here's another problem. You guys tolerate false teaching. He says, that woman Jezebel, <laughs> that manipulating spirit, you're tolerating it. That controlling spirit, you are tolerating it. And so Je- Jezebel to me is like this, this, this false doctrine that sets itself, itself up against God. Says, and you guys tolerating it. Everything needs to be examined in the light of scripture. If it doesn't stand, it must go. And it's a word about prophets, isn't it, too? Because that's that's what what he's talking about with with Jezebel. False prophets, we're so keen to hear the now word on YouTube. Does it measure in the light of Holy Scripture? Does it measure in in the the character of Jesus Christ? And if it's flaky, it must just fall to the ground. To Sardis, he says, I know your works. Listen, isn't this terrible? You have the reputation of being alive. Can you imagine if I've got a reputation of being alive? (laughs) No, actually, I am alive. (laughs) But imagine, you've got a reputation of being alive. You look like you're alive. But actually, you are the walking dead. (laughs) You're just going through the motions and looking good at doing it. Phew, friends. The Western Church, right now. Oh, there's a lot of good-looking churches. Am I right? A lot of good-looking churches with all the smells and the bells and the whistles and the holkatoots toots and fine-sounding preachers where everything is so brilliant. You've got a reputation of being alive, but guess what? You're dead. When it comes to my plumb line, when it comes to my life, when it comes to my word, you're actually dead. James says, you have the appearance of godliness but no power. Friends, forget about looking good for Jesus. Just be a reflection of Him. De says, I know your works. You're neither hot nor cold. Sure. Friends, if you take something... A morsel to eat. And I mean you've really been dying for something really nice, and you put it in your mouth, and it's like just blair. There's no taste. There's no spice. I know a lot of you are like hectic spice. It's like blur. Imagine Jesus saying to you, You are blah. <laughs> I'm not condemning you, but you are blair. <laughs> Get some salt, China. And spice up that meal a bit. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, I'm getting right off the stage. <laughs> mm. And he says, he says to one church, you are deceived and arrogant. For you say I'm rich. I've prospered. I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, naked. When we stand in the blazing light of Jesus, then we'll see what we believe. Oh, friends, we've got to get down to the depth and the heart of our faith, and that it's in Christ, in His Word, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's got nothing to do with looks. You're arrogant. You're puffed up. There's no place for pride in our walk of faith. Humble yourselves under the mighty God, the hand of God, that in due time He will lift you up. You don't have to lift yourselves up. It so says members of the body of Christ we need to invite His plumb line into our lives. And like I say, please listen very carefully. It's never for condemnation. Because there's no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. But friends, there is correction. There is discipline. To bring us into line with His perfect purpose. And so finally, what is this corrective counsel? Well, as Billy, Billy read that, Passage from Isaiah. It's very, very simple. Listen (laughs) to what the Spirit says. Listen to what the Spirit is saying. One of the pastors here was telling me recently how some pastors in other churches. Want to invite him in for input. Nice word, input. Come and speak into our lives. And sure, they go and they spend lots of money getting there and lots of inconvenience and they go and speak into their lives. And five months later, you say to the guy, How's it going? Mm-hmm. <laughs> They've done nothing. What's the point? Sounds nice. Come speak into our lives. Hey, friends, be careful when you say, come speak into my life. You may just be getting a bit of truth. You may just be getting a little bit of adjustment. But that's what Jesus is saying to the churches. He said, above everything, open your ears and hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. That's His counsel. I can just picture a counsellor and the, 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 the counsellor sitting there. And the first thing the counsellor says is, now listen. i you not here for my health. <laughs> you're going to get this marriage right, right. <laughs> I'm only joking. But if you're not going to listen, what's the point? He says repent. He says it a number of times to the churches, repent. It simply means, get your mind right. That's all it means. Get your mind right. Get your mind on me. Get your mind on my word. Get back to the central issue here. Repent. Acknowledge. Because until you repent, there'll be no change. Until you see that what I'm saying is the truth and agree in your heart, you're going to still carry on just as you are. So repent. And that's His urgency for the church. Repent. Turn. Get your mind right, change your thinking. To one church, he says, go and wash your eyes. And in that area, there's a famous place where they've got solved specifically for eye conditions. And that's the church he's telling them because now they understand what it means to get your physical eyes all nice and sorted out. He says, go and wash your eyes so that you may see Jesus, that you may see the truth of the word go and wash your To Sardis, she says I wish you guys were Zulu because then I could say vuga my daughter <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what vuga my daughter is in twana maybe you can quickly help me Huh no, man, my daughter is much better than that. <laughs> <laughs> Wake up. Wake up and smell the roses. Wake up to reality. This is not a game. You're in a war. Some of you are dying. You're being persecuted. You're living in the, in the, in the household of Satan, the synagogue of Satan. You've got everybody pressing in upon you. You've got Nero giving you an incredibly difficult time. His whose num- whose name, by the way, means 666, just been passing. But he says, wake up. Wake up. Come alive. Look at me. Look at my word. Look at the plumb line. Repent. He says to the Laodiceans, I counsel you. I counsel you to buy from me gold. Refined by fire. Sure, there's the fire. Get the rubbish out. Let the fire fall. Strike the matches. So that you may be rich and white garments. That you'll be pure. So that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and solved to anoint your eyes so that you may see. So we need a open our ears, we need to open our eyes, all our spiritual senses and gaze into the Lord of glory and to everyone there's a specific promise. We don't have time to talk about all those promises but friends, we cannot live like our works don't matter. So many people are just so happy they've got a ticket to heaven. They're in their noppies. Yeah, they go to church, they worship, they pray, they do all that stuff. But friends, when you stand before Jesus one day, our works are going to be accounted for. Our works matter in eternity. How we are living matters, friends. And that's why really we're so short-sighted in our faith. How we live has eternal repercussions. Not for in and out, you understand. You're in, but what's going to happen when the fire falls? Because if you've been building on wood, hay, and straw, you'll still go to, still go to heaven, but pretty naked. As Christians, we have to persevere in faith. Hebrews 6, verse 11 and 12 says, And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Faith and patience, endurance, perseverance. Perseverance. So Jesus says in Revelation 2.26, to the one who conquers and keeps my words until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. So to his church he says, listen. Listen to the Spirit. Listen to what the Spirit is saying. So in conclusion, like I said earlier, The elders have an immense responsibility as they lead this flock. And friends, that is why the Bible tells us to pray for our leaders. To keep holding them up to God. Because they are the gateway to the spiritual life of the community. And they will give an account for every sheep that they've had in their hands. It's very sobering, but that's the truth. And then we need to look to ourselves and say, I am a part of the body of Christ. I'm part of the church. And as Jesus walks through the church with his plumb line, it applies to me. So I want to ask a few questions. Am I compromising my faith in any way? Am I watering down the gospel to suit my own delinquent lifestyle? Am I bending the word of God to suit myself and my circumstances? Am I blending in with society and culture so that I'm not left out? That I don't lose approval at school or at varsity or at work or in my club? Are there any idols in my life that are taking the place of Jesus as Lord? Have I allowed my passion for Jesus to simmer down? To just become respectable? And so I look like just a nice Christian guy. Tom Wright says God's paradise is no refuge for unrepentant criminals. God's paradise is no refuge for unrepentant criminals. It is the place where those who repent and those who conquer, as he said to the churches, will have the right to eat from the tree and to obtain life of all sorts which God always intended his human creatures to possess but which until now they have forfeited by their sin. And so... What is the kind of church Jesus is looking for? A church that endures under pressure. A church that is filled with passion for Jesus. A church that is fully surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. A church that hates sin. A church that is rich in worship. Rich in prayer. A church that has the liberty of the Holy Spirit. Rich in fellowship. Rejoices in tribulation. A church that is resolute in honoring God's word above all. A church eager to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church and eager to comply to the way of the Spirit. A church that loves His presence. This is His church. And friends, we have this opportunity today to allow God's plumb line to come into our lives. For us to make some adjustments. And I really felt that God wanted to minister to us today. And this is where I think he wants to just tie up some of the ends that broke out in worship. And he wants to meet with you today. He wants you to meet with him today for an alignment. To allow that plumb line to come next to you. Not to condemn you, but for adjustment. For loving, gracious adjustment. And so the very first thing I want to ask this morning, is Jesus truly Lord of your life? He said, "Yeah, I gave my life to Jesus. I know my sins are forgiven. But is Jesus Lord? If you are wanting to say today, you want to make a statement and say, today, Lord Jesus, I am bowing before you. You are the Lord of glory. You are the awesome Lord. Won't you just stand so I can pray for you? I know it's a brave thing, but if that's where you're at, please just stand. I'm not asking so much as have you given your life to Jesus, but I'm asking you, have you bowed the knee to the Lordship of Jesus? Now, if there's any other adjustment you're feeling in God as, as, as He's spoken today, any other adjustment, any other alignment that you feel, it's like being at a chiropractor, just getting those Joints into place. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.